Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Richest Take. I'm your host, Richmond Ocon. I'm accompanied by my guest, Thomas Jones. What's up? For the first <laughs> What up? What up? Uh, for the first part of our topic, we we're talking about the... We're talking about Jesus Christ fully as man. In this second part, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ as fully God. And we're going to be diving into um, what scripture says about Jesus Christ being fully God, him being the word, him being the son of God, him claiming to be God and what that meant um, for him in his ministry. And so, yeah, let's just drive right into it. So we just talked about Jesus Christ as fully man. We gave a a very brief synopsis of his life, uh, but I think we highlighted some good things um, in his life and, and, and something that when you look throughout history, when you look at the Bible, um, these are some of the key events that really stand out in Jesus's life. Um, but we ended at his death mm-hmm. and he died and we find out that he died for us. Yeah. When you look historically, the life of Jesus Christ, he lived, he was born, all the things that we talked about and more, and he died. But when we see the world today, a lot of people stop there they say he died he was a great man and he's with god today but something happens that the gospel records and the eyewitnesses attest to that shows that this man was was more than 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 a man and it's called the resurrection Mm -hmm. and so he died three days later he rises from the dead mary magdalene and some other people are coming in right to to prepare for the funeral and they see that the, the the stone that was uh that was covering the tomb is now rolled away and broken and the tomb is empty. Yep. And so there's a lot of confusion. And then, uh, you know, Jesus finally appears to them. And we see that Jesus appeared to his followers, his disciples. And as the Bible says, about 500 people. Uh, I just hit the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about uh, 500 people. Uh, Paul was, I believe, the last person to see Jesus um, here on earth before he um, fully uh, ascended. But now multiple people are saying that this man has resurrected and so this is this is one of the 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 main things that highlight jesus christ as god because throughout his life he did acts of god he performed miracles he fed five thousand people he healed the sick he rose the dead he forgave sins he received worship Mm -hmm. he says as you honor the father as you honor God, you were yeah. to honor me also. He said that he had glory with God before the world began, right? He says, before Abraham was, before Abraham existed, I am, I existed, I was there, right? And when you look at the response of the Jews, they knew exactly what he was talking about yeah. because they picked up stones to stone him. In the Levitical law, if anybody claimed to be God, right? In other words, blasphemy, they were to be stoned to death because yeah. that's like the ultimate disrespect to God, yeah. right? And so- no mistake there, right? Every single time Jesus Christ claimed to be God, they picked up stones to stone him. But the highlight I would say um, is the resurrection because it shows that he has power over the grave, right? He submitted himself, right? And, 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 and he put himself on the cross and he died. But then him rising says that death doesn't have a hold on me. Wait, right? hold, hold up real quick. You, you, just, you just said something that it, like some people, like it'll fly over their heads. I want you to say that one more time. You said that Jesus put himself on the cross. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So Jesus Christ being fully God 
and fully man had a purpose and a plan. Mm -hmm. Some people would say that uh, the Jews crucified him, the Romans crucified him. Looking at a historical aspect, you kind of see where, where, you know, where, why they would say that and where they're going because he was trialed as, you know, as normally would, as the process was back then. But him putting this, him putting himself on the cross, I think Paul talks about in Philippians where he was like, he, 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 he lowered himself, him being in the very nature of God, lowered himself to a servant, being obedient, even to the point of death, right? Jesus Christ said he, 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 he's giving his life. It's not anybody that takes it, but he, Jesus giving it willingly. So, him being on the cross is is in accordance to the will of his father, right? Because they were together, mm -hmm. right? But it's a sacrifice, right? It's it's him being obedient to death, limit incarnating himself in flesh, limiting himself to a human body, and allowing himself to be on there. Here, a lot. If Jesus wanted to, he he said it himself. He wanted to to, to call twelve legions of angels to come save him. They would have came, right? Jesus could have been like, "I'm done, enough," and he was a perfect man. He didn't have to die for us, but he chose to die. He sacrificed himself. So he putting him, Jesus Christ putting himself on the cross is a sacrifice. He's sacrificing himself, right? And it's um, very, uh, something I saw uh, um, when I was looking into Genesis with Abraham, when, when God is, uh, you know, telling him to sacrifice Isaac, right? Isaac is kind of just like, you know, where's the lamb and like, what's going, you know, what's, what's the plan? And, and, and Abraham is saying that God will provide himself mm -hmm. a lamb to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. When, uh, when, before Jesus was baptized, John said to him, this is the lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. So it's a sacrifice that, that, that Jesus was willing is a price which was the sacrifice of his life that Jesus was willing to pay in order to redeem us back to God. And so Jesus Christ is God. Yes. So that's, that's why he put himself on the cross, but um, to the resurrection, it shows that he was fully God because it shows that he has victory over the grave. Uh, let me turn to a scripture that Paul is talking about. All right. First Corinthians 15, 50, uh, 55. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, but this is just really like, this is really the highlight of the resurrection. He says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And that's all due to the resurrection. Um, and so, yes, the resurrection was the highlight of Jesus Christ um, being God. But I wanted to kind of just for us to go into a couple of things here um, to really highlight and show why Jesus Christ was truly God. And so a lot of people... Uh, a lot of skeptics, you know, some other religions will say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Uh, and, you know, they say that, you know, they say he never claimed to be God or they're asked like, where did he say he was God? And where did he say, worship me? And so verbatim, we don't see the words of Jesus saying, I am God or worship me. However, God just says, us as humans, right? We have many names, right? Many different names that people that people call us. God, like and similar, has many different names that are only accredited to Him, right? Just for example, just to give, there are many examples out there, but just for example, the Almighty. If I was to go ask somebody who is the Almighty, nine times out of ten, they're going to say God. Thank you, right? If I was going to say, if I if I was to ask who is the beginning and who is the end, 
most likely they're going to say God. Right. So if a man says, I am the almighty, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last they are claiming to be God. Right. And so let's say worship. A lot of people would say, well, Jesus didn't say worship me. Well, he, he did actually, when he says the way you honor God is the same way you should honor me. And if I was to go ask people, how do you honor God? It would be through worship. And so if I say, right, you should honor me the same way you honor God, you're saying you should worship me. But we see in his life before Jesus was born, he received worship, starting with Elizabeth uh, and Luke, I think chapter three or chapter one, when Elizabeth went to go talk to Mary, when baby John the Baptist recognized that Jesus was across from him, he leaped. It said it twice that he leaped for joy. Yeah. He was leaping. That's worship. The three wise men, right, that went to go, that were, that were trying, you know, following the star and trying to find Jesus came to worship. And when they found Jesus and they presented the three gifts, they bowed their heads down and worshiped him. Another interesting thing with when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, Jesus, uh, um, Satan is, you know, tempting him and everything. And, and it's Jesus that's being tempted, but he responds to, to Satan, you should not tempt the Lord thy God. Mm -hmm. But it's Jesus that's being tempted. When Jesus was with his disciples during the storm, Jesus was asleep. He was chilling, big chilling. And his disciples <laughs> like, yo, we're about to die. Like, what are you sleeping for? What's going on? And, you know, he, he just waves his hand, peace be still right? Everything's calm. His disciples are astonished. They say, what manner of man is this that the winds and, all, and, and, and the winds and the seas obey him? And they what? They worshiped him. When Thomas, not this Thomas, but Thomas in the Bible saw Jesus when he resurrected and he put his hands and his body through his hands and, and, through, his, and through his side, he said, my Lord and my God. My God. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, he's saying like, oh, like basically OMG, oh my God. But the Jesus's response refutes that because he says, you believe this because you have seen me. He didn't say, why are you calling me God? Or why are you calling me Lord? Or why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? He says, you believe what you just said because you see me. Blessed are they that believe this and that haven't seen me. He has no problem with it. Um, I believe it's when he's writing into Jerusalem. While he's riding in on a donkey's colt, there are some Pharisees that take offense to, to what's going on in this situation. Because they know exactly what that means. They know exactly what that means. That means that the promised Messiah is entering into the promised city. Yes. And so what, what gets them so upset, they approach Jesus and they see the people who are putting palm branches on the road. They're bowing down before Jesus as he is entering into the city of Jerusalem. And they say, they, these Pharisees, they tell Jesus, Make them quit doing this. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, if they won't, or he, he says, if, if they don't do this, the rocks will start crying out in worship. Mm. <laughs> Just imagine, imagine hearing that. Do you know how dumbfounded those Pharisees were? Do you know how angry they would be at yeah. being told, if, if they won't cry out, the rocks will. <laughs> they already have a problem with him because he already has at multiple points. Yes. He made a point where he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the word I am 
in in the Hebrew language is a very important word yeah. because if you go back to Exodus, when Moses is looking at the burning bush and he's having a conversation with God, mm-hmm. Moses asks the question, sorry, I hit the mic. Moses asks the question, <laughs> he said, who do I say I talked to? Who sent me? And God told Moses, tell them that I am sent you. Mm-hmm. And now here's Jesus having a conversation and it's recorded in John eight. It, it just, it levels and levels and levels and levels and levels. And it leads up to this crescendo where Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to throw at him because he is claiming in that moment to be God. Those Jewish people understood exactly the claim that Jesus was making in that mm-hmm. moment. Let's let's go let's go a little bit back. So we just got done talking about very briefly uh Jesus's life and him in human flesh. Mm-hmm. The Bible records though that Jesus pre-existed before he was born. He was the word from the beginning. Genesis 1, right, says God, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. While when he was creating earth, God said God said, John one says the same thing. It says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the the word was God. God. Uh And then later in in, uh, verse 14, it says in the word became flesh. And you know, that's a a lot of people have misused that verse and a lot of people look over it, but it's, it's, it's clear, but something I want to hit in as is the, the word, the word of God. What would you say? Cause the Bible shows that Jesus existed before he was born as the word of God and the son of God. He was present in creation. He created all things. Paul said all things were created by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ in him. Everything coexists. Everything holds together by Jesus Christ, but specifically the word and the son of God. What do those things mean? When people hear he's the word of God, he's the son of God. We see the son of God because he was the virgin birth. You know, did God, have intercourse with the, with the mother God, like what, you know, what does those words mean? Cause I think that really highlights and shows his divinity of his preexistence before he was born. That's a loaded question. Um, I'm full of loaded questions, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the word word, let, let's, let's do some theological work. Shall we? Uh, I know what the word, I know what the word word means in, in Greek, but for the sake of people listening in, um, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. I'm using an app right now on my phone. It's called the Blue Letter Bible app. It's on the app store. It's completely free. I recommend I've heard of it. that before. It, it's really cool because like, you can go back to the original language. You can break stuff down. Yeah, I've it heard really of helps you understand things. You, you, you seem to not know it. You're, you're speaking Hebrew and Greek. You seem like you got it down. Oh, no. <laughs> I know nothing. Uh, but the word, when, when John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the mm-hmm. word was God, mm-hmm. uh, that word in the Greek translate logos and so literally an outline of the biblical use it can be used in a bunch of ways and just oh my gosh this is a long entry um for for the sake of of sharing what this is um it it can mean a word uttered by a living voice it embodies a conception or idea 
what someone has said, I can, and that could either be a word, the sayings of God, a decree of the moral precepts given by God, Old Testament prophecy given by the prophets, what is declared a thought, a declaration, or an aphorism, a weighty saying, a dictum, a maxim. Um, it can be a conversation. So like say like the word logos in Greek could be like, let me have a word with you. Let me, let me have a discussion with you real fast. Um, the act of speaking, the faculty of speech, the kind of style, it can be doctrine or teaching, anything reported in speech, it, it keeps going. And so um, matter under discussion, uh, things spoken of, an affair, a matter of dispute, a suit of law, it can be used as a law term, a, a civil term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used in respect to the mind of loan. But the very last definition, the very last entry in the Blue Letter Bible app, when it goes to the original language, in John, the word logos denotes the essential word of God, Jesus Christ, the personal wisdom and power and union with God, his minister, uh, his minister and creation and government of the universe, the cause of all the world's life, both physical and ethical, which for the procurement, that's a big word, of man's salvation put on human nature in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, the second person in the Godhead, in which that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and shown forth conspicuously from his words and deeds. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus being the Word of God. I mean, you mentioned it in Genesis. We talked about Genesis 1-1. In mm-hmm. the beginning, the earth was formless and void. Or in mm-hmm. the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the, mm-hmm. and the earth was formless and void, and yeah. the Spirit of God hovered, hovered over the over water. Yeah. Then God said, the Word mm-hmm. was present. Mm-hmm. Let there be light. Mm-hmm. And there was. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, well, Thomas, that's a cop-out. Later on in the same chapter, when he starts to go make man, he says, let us make yeah. man in our image after our likeness. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were present in that moment. Yeah. And then we get to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was there in the beginning. By referring to himself as the Word, he is referring to himself <laughs> as the Word of God. Living Word. And so to the point of the Son of God, Ben Elohim in Hebrew. I'm trying to think about this before I say something heretical. And I, I think of just saying he is the word of God. And I think of the chosen where that whole controversial <laughs> thing where they're saying, I am the law of Moses yeah. and how that ruffled feathers. I'm not trying to go there right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but Jesus being the son of God for God, so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe would not perish, mm-hmm. but have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to remember John 3, 17 off the top of my head because that verse is equally important in my mind. But let's look it up, shall we? Pull it up. John chapter 2, chapter 3. Here we are. Verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Mm -hmm. Now, John 3, 16 is the most famous chapter or famous chapter and verse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now we know Tim Tebow wore it on his face. Mm -hmm. We can see it plastered anywhere. Mm -hmm. We think of for God so loved the world. We Mm -hmm. think of it, John 3, 16. Mm -hmm. This is spoken in a conversation with a very, very, very well-known Pharisee named Nicodemus, Mm -hmm. and who is actually a leader of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, he tells him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe, they wouldn't perish, but they would have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, mm-hmm. but that through him, he might be saved. Mm-hmm. A father gave his son. And from when I'm, when I'm looking at begotten, some 
there's some heresy where it says where people believe that God created Jesus or in the terms of or here on earth uh, 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 like when you have an earthly father and the son is his seed and, they, and the father precedes the son and from what I've been looking into the Jesus Christ being the son of God it's an identity right and the begotten son is Jesus is from God, right? As we just read that gospel of the word that he gave, Jesus is from God eternally. So the begotten son of God means that they have always been unified and existing with each other from eternity. And so God sent his son to earth from eternity. And so begotten is just Jesus Christ being, being in flesh and being God is from the father and they have always been together eternally. They've always existed and will always exist. They were in the be and they were together before creation, right? And and, and another notion that refutes the idea that <laughs> that God created uh, Jesus is Jesus says that he had glory with God before the world began. Yep. Um how can he have glory with, with God if he was if he was created? And then how is it that God created Jesus, but then Jesus created all things that it just, you know, uh, that, that doesn't add up. And so more into the claims of, of, uh, Jesus, when it talks about, when it talks about him going, uh, him claiming to be God, I have a list here and I'll just kind of, kind of just quickly go through them and, and talk about them. Some we've heard before, but some, uh, really haven't been said enough. And so we can kind of highlight those and really, really see uh, that the Bible very, very much shows that Jesus Christ is God. And so uh, we talked about Jesus Christ receiving worship before he was born. Uh, he received worship when he was born. Uh, the angel, when he was talking to Mary, said that his name, uh, that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? John ten thirty, I and my father are one. John eight fifty eight, before Abraham was, I am. Right, John one says the word was God. Thomas said, "My Lord and my God." Titus two thirteen. Paul is saying we are rated, we are waiting for the blessed hope of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And so people might say, "Oh well," in that passage, you know, Paul is saying, "Great God, God the Father, and then the Savior Jesus Christ." But it, it no, still no. doesn't work mm -mm. because in the Old Testament, God says, Jehovah speaking, He is the Savior. Mm -hmm. And there is none like him. So if we're calling Jesus the savior, we're calling him God because it's only God that can save. Mm -hmm. And um, Revelation 19, John sees an angel and he worships, he worships him. And the angel's picking him up and saying, no, we only worship God, mm -hmm. right? Don't worship me. We only worship God. Another example of that, Acts 10, 25, or yeah, Acts 10, 25, Cornelius worships Peter. And Peter's saying, no, I'm just a man. Right, we were to only worship God. Never once did when Jesus received worship, never once did he ever refute it. Never once did he ever say you were to worship God alone. Never once did he ever say, Why are you worshiping me? He accepted it every single time. He always accepted worship. Uh, Revelation one eleven, I am the first and the last. Revelation one eighteen, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I live forevermore. Philippians 2.11, right? Paul is saying that there's going to be a time where every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord. Lord. Yep. Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him, right? Uh, a quick note, we were just talking about creation. Isaiah 44 verse 24 says Jehovah was alone during creation. But then, you know, 
in Ephesians and Colossians and John and the New Testament, it says that Jesus created all things. And so if, if the New Testament is saying that Jesus created all things and we see in the Old Testament that God was alone during creation, they're equating them equally. Equally. Well, you start to run into the, the Trinity there. Yeah. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, right. And the three of one. Jehovah, Yahweh, was alone during creation. Mm -hmm. this, this is what is going to hurt a lot of feelings, and it's going to confuse a lot of people. God is one. Mm -hmm. But there's three persons. Now, someone might say, well, then you're believing in polytheism. No. Mm -hmm. You have... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three of them are God. And God is one. They're not gods, plural, no. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this concept, it is very complex and there's been a lot of people who've tried to take a stab at trying to figure out what the Trinity is. And I'm not trying to derail us and go down the path of the Trinity. All I'm trying to get at is that this concept of the Trinity, of Jehovah being by himself at the beginning, this concept in of its own, it is so complex that it does not even fit in my mind. Nor do, I un no, nor do I expect the concept of the Trinity to, to, under, to, to fully understand it. Mm -hmm. I've come to know and believe it as true, though, because I've seen it in Scripture, mm -hmm. and I've seen God work and do it. Yeah. A, a good, uh, something I've thought about, and yeah, not to, we'll get back to, to God, or to Jesus Christ being God, but just, just to your point in the, in the Trinity, um, we can have a, a, a deeper conversation about this on another time, but... I'll try my best to, to explain it, but <clears throat> we are human, right? So you are Thomas Jones. Yes. You are Thomas Jones. It's not unusual. You have a human flesh mm -hmm. and you also have a soul. Mm -hmm. Your human flesh is Thomas Jones mm -hmm. and your soul is Thomas Jones. Mm -hmm. There are two distinct persons unified in one identity, mm -hmm. which is Thomas Jones. Your flesh is not the same as your soul. Mm -hmm. Your flesh will wither away and die. The soul is eternal, right? So Jesus is not the Father, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit, right? They're three distinct persons in one. But that's that's kind of a, a way that I, you know, if I'm explaining that, um, especially when they talk about, like, Jesus Christ being God and the Godhead, right, through all of eternity, right? There are three distinct persons unified in the identity of God. And to your point, I mean... Jesus also talks about how we must be born of water and born of spirit. This is in the same conversation that he's having with Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. And he says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, an old man, he's saying, how can I be born again? I can't exactly crawl back into the womb of my mother, and right. nor do I ever want to ever picture that. <laughs> that was a joke. I hope someone laughed at that. That was horrible. <laughs> God, forgive me. But you must be born of water and of spirit. Mm -hmm. And so you have the flesh, you have the soul. And when you believe in Jesus, the spirit comes alive, comes alive in you. Yeah. 
And yeah, so, those are three distinct. Three, three distinct right? parts so of your, yourself. Your flesh, your soul that's eternal, and your spirit is, is you, are, you are spiritually connected to God. It's your spirit man is alive again because we are spiritually dead due to the sin of Adam, the sin nature. Um, but yes, yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. But I guess we can, we can, we can kind of get into the importance of him being God when it comes to his sacrifice. Yes. And so to do that, I, I want to backtrack back to, uh, back, back to point number one about his resurrection. Yeah. Um, you were cooking and I was, I was not gonna, <laughs> I was not gonna stop the chef. Um, Sunday morning is very, very important. Very important. Very important. And so because of that, and I'm getting seated up again, I'm about to get riled up again. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it okay. I'll bring you some ear relief. Don't you worry. Let's get a, let's get a fan in here. It's about, <laughs> about to get a little heated. Sunday morning is very important. John 10, Jesus is having a conversation, talks about him being the good shepherd, him being the gate. He also says very clearly, he says, I freely lay my life down and I am the one who picks it back up again. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, when he gave up his life and he died, because it was Passover and because the next day was Sabbath, they needed to dispose of the body quickly. So what did they do? A man named Joseph of Arimathea, he is a very rich man. Mm -hmm. He had just had a grave made. Mm -hmm. Joseph said, put his body in my grave. And so that's what they did. They rolled the stone over it. It was sealed shut. Not only was it sealed shut, it was sealed shut with the seal of Rome because the Pharisees, they caught wind that Jesus had talked about him coming back to life in three days. Because Jesus said, as quickly as, or he said, if you tear down this temple, I will rebuild it in three he's days. Talking about himself. Talking yeah. about himself. Mm -hmm. And they thought he was talking about Solomon's temple that mm -hmm. they're in. Mm -hmm. And so they got, they got offended at it. Mm -hmm. But then they caught wind and they said, well, they, he said something about him coming back to life. So we need to step involved in this. So the Pharisees go talk to Rome and they have the seal of Rome put on the grave to seal it shut so no one could get in or out. Furthermore, they put a Roman sentry in front of the grave. There is There are legionaries, centurions, standing in front of the grave, guarding it so that no person can come in and rob his body and parade it around town and say, oh, Jesus has risen from the grave. But then Sunday morning comes and something happens. At the first light, there's an angel that drops out of heaven and he's sitting on the stone. And I bet he looked like a G. Dude was chilling on top of the chilling. rock. The Roman centurions, the best warriors on the planet, they Shook. said they fainted because they were so scared at what they saw. This same angel rolled the stone away and Jesus walked out of the grave. And you, you talked about it, that he was seen by his disciples. He was not just in spirit and just appearing, appearing spiritually to his disciples. In mm -hmm. fact, the first person that he reveals himself to is Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens? She confuses him as the gardener. Mm -hmm. She confuses him as the gardener and he says, Mary, and he calls her by name. And she says, Rabbanai, which means teacher in Aramaic. And she goes and hugs him and he says, don't hold me yet for I have not ascended to my father in heaven. She got a hold of Jesus. She was able to lay hands on him physically. He then goes and appears in front of his disciples. Thomas, not me, 
But Thomas, the disciple, was not present the first time he appeared to his disciples. And they rejoiced just like Jesus said they would. He said, don't you worry, for your mourning will turn into joy. They saw him. He ate a meal with them. He ate fish with them. He was physically there. Then a week later, he appears to his disciples again. And this time Thomas is present because Thomas said, I will not believe until I touch the holes in his hands, which I saw him pierced with and touch the wound in his side because Jesus, they wanted to make sure he was dead on the cross. So they stabbed him with a spear Mm -hmm. straight through his body into the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's a messianic prophecy. I'm not going to get into that right now. Mm -hmm. He appears and he goes straight to Thomas and he says, touch the holes in my hands. Touch the wound in my side. See that it's actually me and believe. And that's when Thomas says, my Lord and my God. But here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus is the promised one, the one that's supposed to sit on the seat of David forever. How can Jesus accomplish that if he's still laying dead in his grave? He can't accomplish that. We're not just parading about that Jesus died for the sins of the world. No, we go to church every Sunday morning to celebrate the fact that our Lord and our Savior, the same one who died for our sins, he's risen from the grave. There's nobody else who can boast that. Death could not hold him. He passed through death and took its keys on the way out. Death has no hold on those who believe because Jesus has already passed through it for us. And now, right now, in real time, as you watch this video, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he's waiting to come back to this earth again, just like Revelation says. When he comes back this time, oh, he's coming with pomp and circumstance. He's going to be riding in on a white horse, Mm -hmm. and on his thigh is going to be tattooed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back a second time. Mm -hmm. He is the Lord and he is God. Jesus said that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's coming back a second time. Yeah. I don't mean to get riled up and to make your ears hurt. I mean, lower your AirPods for goodness sake if you have them. But it is so evident that Jesus is Lord and God. And people might bring up paradoxes and try to say that it's a contradiction, but they're purely wrong. Name me another God who rose from the dead and we have actual proof of it. He rose from the dead and scripture says, and historically there are evidences that show that he showed himself in front of 500 people. And even, even outside of the Bible, you can see people that were alive around that time period that said that like Josephus, for example, that wrote about his followers or he was writing about Jesus' followers. He talked about James and say that Jesus who was crucified his followers are now, and you know, obviously he thought they were madmen and stuff like that, but his followers are now saying that he rose from, they rose from the dead. They've been preaching it all around. Um, that's what we've been hearing, and that was found in one of his writings. I mean, and so, to your point. Yeah, I mean, for goodness sake, it's 2024. It's been almost 2,000 years since he was crucified, and we're still debating it. We've made cameras. We've gone to the moon, supposedly, and here we are. We're yeah. trying to go to Mars, and we're still debating this thing. Is Jesus the Son of God or not? Yeah. Is Jesus God or not? Yeah. When there's so much proof, there's so much evidence, it only comes down to if you believe it or not. Yeah. Because that's the way God wants it to be. Yeah. Is if there is faith. Yeah. That's what impresses God. Mm-hmm. Faith. There was a Roman centurion who had one of his slaves, his servants was sick. 
and he sent someone to go get Jesus's attention. And Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll go heal the servant right away. I'll go right to the centurion. And the centurion also sent orders with the servant saying, you don't need to go into my home. You don't send, need to come see me. Send the word. Yeah. Just send the word. I'm a Roman centurion. When I receive orders, I go carry them out. So I know the same way that when you give orders, it will be done. He recognized he had faith. And what did Jesus say about this Roman man? He's never seen any greater faith. He's never seen such greater faith in all of Israel. My Lord and my God. That's a powerful statement to make. And again, we see, as we've talked about, Jesus didn't say, you know, why are you, why are you calling me God? Why are you doing this? He affirmed it and said, you believe this because you have seen. Blessed are those that have not seen me and, and, and believe. And I know, I know to some it sounds like nonsense. I mean, even in Acts, what gets me is that there is a, there is a rabbi Recorded in the book of Acts. His name is Gamaliel. He is actually the teacher of the Apostle Paul. I think, I think of the Apostle Paul. I could be wrong. Someone fact check me on that and put it in the comments. But Gamaliel, they're having a meeting of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin because this, this weird sect of Judaism that believes the Messiah has come is growing rapidly. And more and more people are coming to faith that Jesus Christ, Yeshua, was the Messiah, is the Messiah. And Gamaliel, in his wisdom, he says, if this, is just, if, if this is just nonsense, it'll die out on its own. Here we are, almost 2,000 years later, and the debate still rages on. Mm -hmm. We've seen the introduction of a new faith in Islam, and I'm not here to bash Islam. Here we are still debating. Is Jesus who he says he is? And though we have all of the evidence, we have eyewitness accounts. I mean, if we go into textual variants and, and how many different manuscripts that we have, the, the New Testament alone has more Greek manuscripts than any other book in the ancient world. And of those manuscripts, 6,000 to be exact, 6,000 plus to be exact, 99.9% .9 of them, when it comes to their textual variants, say the exact same thing. Yeah. A very, very great point that you just made about the New Testament um, that a lot of people really don't, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say a lot of people don't realize, but something that I found when I, when I read the entire New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. 27. 27, correct? Out of 20, and I, and please fact check me on this, please look into this. Out of 27 books, Every single book from Matthew to Revelation, every single book references Jesus Christ as Lord, except for third John. Every single book in the New Testament references Jesus Christ as Lord. That's fascinating. You can look at every, any book except for third John because it's written towards somebody, but second and first John, uh, first John and second John references him as Lord. Every single book you will find somewhere where Jesus says references Lord. In, and it's not like as the, the title in the Old Testament, as people say like Lord, King, or like Lord. Lord, yeah. every single book. And so, and I think it's important because we've, we've talked about, and this is the kind of the, the, the centerpiece, right? When we talk about Jesus's death, right? We've, we've yeah. been talking about it. Um, there's been passion that's been shown, but, but it's for a reason. Like the, the significance of his death is important. We talked about this death. We talked about the meaning of his death, but if he wasn't God, his death would have been meaningless. And we've, we spent time talking about him as a human, him as God, but because he is God, 
his death was acceptable to God, right? To the Father. He was, his, 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 his blood and his sacrifice was acceptable to the Father for the forgiveness of sins permanently. Because if he was just a mere man, he would have been sinless. He would have been sin, uh, sinful, not sinless, sinful, just like us. And his blood would have, would have just been shed for nothing. But because he is God, because he lived the perfect life, because he was truly crucified as, 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 as it has been proven, right? We now today have a way of eternal life. And this is behind all the passion. This is behind all of the, the fairiness. This is behind all the things that you've seen from both of us in this episode, right? Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ died. The highlight of all of this is he died for me and for you. Something to think about for those people that may not have trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, anything. When you look at the life of Jesus, historically, when you look in the Bible, all the things that he went through was done for you. That means all the bad things that we've ever done, all the sins that we've ever committed, all the things that we've done behind closed doors where nobody else is watching but God is wiped away when we believe in Jesus. It's very significant because all the work of salvation is done. He died on the cross, rose again on the third day, showing that he was God, right? And showing that he has victory over the grave. And so what this means for us today is, yes, you can look historically and there's the, 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 the evidence is overwhelming, right? We can look in the Bible, but the end of the end result is he did it for you. And we have a way, we have an access to God that's free of charge. All we have to do is believe in his sacrifice, in his blood, in the cross alone. Not you believe and you're baptized, you believe and you keep the 10 commandments, or you believe and you do this. It's believing in him alone. And when you believe, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit whom we are sealed with until the day of redemption. When we believe, as Thomas was just talking about, we are born again spiritually. When we believe, we have the hope of eternal life. Meaning when we come to the end of our life, there's not a doubt in our mind that when we close our eyes for eternity, we will be with God forever. And this is because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so this is really the hope of, of what we've been talking about in these two parts, showing Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. If there's anybody that watches this that doesn't know him, when you look into all of the things that we've talked about, things that you can take away of. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ knew you before you existed. Jesus Christ died for you. God himself came in human flesh and died for you and died for me. And when we believe in him and trust in him fully, we are forgiven of all sins. The Bible says he died once for sins. It was a one-time thing. And because it was a one-time thing, there's no worry of um, us having to do extra, us having to do anything in addition. Jesus Christ died, it's been proven, and he rose again. And when we believe in him, we have eternal life, eternal life. And God keeps his promise. So we are saved and we are saved to the very end. It's not us that maintains our salvation, it's God. And it's not for us to lose because it's God. We are in, in God's hands, right? Jesus says, when you believe in me, you are in my hand and there's, and no man, including yourself can pluck you out of my hand. And he also says that we're in the father's and nobody's greater than the father and no man will pluck them out of the father's hand. The Bible says that we are separated from our flesh when we put our faith and trust in Christ, right? So all this to say is when you 
put your faith and trust in Christ. You're given a new heart. You're given a new spirit. Your life changes. All the things that we've talked about when it comes to his lifestyle, loving others, serving others, servitude, all these different things is a result of what he did 2000 years ago. And we, when we believe in that, we then live that way in hopes to draw other people to God, right? You hear this term a lot. Uh, we are, we are beggars that found the table of food and we're just bringing other beggars in. Yep. Um, but, but to wrap up, um, we hope that you enjoyed this two-parter. This was uh, uh, a lot of emotion, um, a lot of passion, but it's Jesus. This is this is something that's real. This is something that's serious to us. This is what this ministry all what, what is is what what it's all about. Um, this is what we live by, and this is what we're going to die by. And so um, we hope that you enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot that you know we missed just for time's sake, but uh, go and look. And, you know, for yourself in the, in the gospels accounts of the life of Jesus, you're going to see the stuff that we talked about. And you're going to see other stuff. But the main thing is, if you don't know Jesus Christ, he loves you. He died for you. Believe in him and him alone and you will have eternal life and he will change your life for the better. So thank you so much for watching this. Um, thank you for tuning in for another ep episode of The Richest Take. I'm your host, Richmond Ocon. This is my guest, Thomas Jones. Thomas, thank you again for being with me and giving thank you some you, time and sharing, sharing the truth with us. Yeah. Um, God bless you. God keep you. And stay tuned for the next episode.